0: Hi there and welcome to Manningham Christian Centre's Sermon of the Week. I'm so glad you joined us. My name is Matt Wyatt and I'm the lead pastor here. My prayer for you is that as you listen, you encounter God and find this message practically helpful. It would mean a lot to us if you were able to rate and subscribe. This not only lets us know how we can serve you better, but also spreads the message to those who need to hear it. Hey, thanks so much again, and I look forward to catching up with you later. Bye.
1: Thank you, Kelly. Thank you, Sam. And good morning, everyone, and welcome to 2024. I think I remember standing up here on 2014. And I'm thinking, where have those 10 years gone? That can be really challenging sometimes because every time we face a new year, we face a new beginning and that's always good, but we also are recognising that time is going and time is precious, isn't it? But look, I'm going to start off on a lighter note before we get into the message. I found this um, article in the Herald Sun on the 30th of December. Now, I don't often buy a newspaper, very rarely actually, but I did decide to do that because there was something I wanted to read. But it's called A Stray in a Manger. Anybody see this? All right, here we go. This is a report. In a Christmas miracle, a Victorian animal shelter has rescued a pig, aptly named Noel, who gave birth to eight piglets in an abandoned manger. Edgar's mission in Lancefield have welcomed Noelle and her piglets to their sanctuary, bringing joy to all involved. After escaping from a property in central Victoria, the heavily pregnant Noelle stumbled upon a manger at an abandoned farm and using her piggy smarts to create a nest bed of twigs and grass. Edgar's mission received a call after a passerby overheard grunting coming from the makeshift maternity suite. Pam Ahern from Edgar's Mission said if the passerby had not called the sanctuary, Noelle and her offspring most likely would not have survived. Mr Hearn said the little piglets were flourishing at the sanctuary, especially Chris Mass, C-H-R-I-S-M-A-S, this little piglet. The piglet who has formed an unlikely friendship with a cheeky goat. They've settled in incredibly well. There's seven pink ones and one little black one. And there they are. So there we go, that's Noel and Christmas, away in a manger, a stranger in a manger. I thought that was rather amusing, anyway. All right, so as we begin this year, we've begun this year in praise, we've begun this year in gratitude and thankfulness, the same as we finished last year, and uh, I feel that God is saying for us this year, step up. I feel like he's saying, step up into what I've given you. Step up into what I'm calling you into. Step up. And, and I feel like he's saying, don't hesitate. Don't just be complacent to where you are, but be ready to step up into what he places before you this year. And I think that's a corporate word, and it's a word for each of us individually. And um, what I felt like led by the Lord to share this morning... It's called Led by Jesus because that's our summer series, but Perceiving the Kingdom, which is what I'm going to talk about this morning. Now, to perceive means to to perceive something, means to know of something, to be aware of something, to understand something. And that's what it's like with the Kingdom, which we'll get into in a minute. But before we start, let's ask ourselves some questions. We always do at the start of the year. How often have you found yourself asking at the start of a new year what's important and what's not important in life? Is that a time when we stop and think about a year that's passed and a year that's coming and we start to ask ourselves what's important? Because things that may have been important last year are not so important in the year to come. Things that were not so important last year are important in the years to come. And uh, we really, it's really important that we stop and just reflect. We sort of roll into one year and the other into the next year, but this is a good time just to stop and ask ourselves those questions. So, life experiences can also cause us to ask that question as we go through life experiences and life happens and stuff happens. And, uh, you know, sometimes we call it soul searching. You've heard that term, we might be soul searching, You know what really is important in my life? What is going on around my life? But really it's a process of internal realignment. That's what's actually going on when we stop back and we we reflect and we think about those things. And there can be any number of situations that can lead to us asking ourselves those questions. Perhaps we wanted to spend more time focused on Jesus. And the good news is that this is the day for a fresh start. So let's make a fresh start, all of us, to spend the time that we know we need to spend on Jesus and that he wants us to spend with him. So I feel that the Lord's encouraging us to come to him in prayer as we bring this year to him. And Kelly's already prayed a beautiful prayer. But how about we pray again, eh? Let's do that. So Jesus, we thank you that you make all things new. Thank you for this past year, the good along with the challenges, which have reminded us of how much we need you and rely on your presence filling us up every day. We pray for your spirit to lead us each step this year. Holy Spirit, we ask that you guide our decisions and turn our hearts to deeply desire Jesus above all else, and that you would increase your wisdom, strength and power in our lives, that we would be strong and courageous for the year ahead. As we walk in the light of truth and we worship Jesus above all else, let our lives continue to shine so that many more would be drawn to Jesus this year. Amen. Amen. Okay. So I feel that this year is the year in which we're going to be continually challenged and tested regarding what is truth. We live in troubled times in a troubled world but we know that we have the peace of Jesus with us. When we look around the world, there are troubled times and we live in a very troubled world. And we have one source of truth and that is God's word. And we need God's word. um, It's so important that we know the truth that's in God's word when we look around us because we have to be able to discern and know what is right, what is not right, what is God, what is not of God. Very important. But here's some key truths. Truth comes from one source and one source alone, and that's God, as we've said. Now, we see truth being eroded around us in the name of progress, in the advancement of culture. You hear that word a lot, advancement. And uh, what's actually happening is truth is being eroded around us. And we are actually living in the great deception of the last days that the Bible talks about so well. But we are so well-equipped to live in these days because we have been called to live in these days. We're not here by accident. We're here because God called us to live here in these days. So be uh, encouraged that he is with you and you are well-equipped in this day and age. It's easy to look back and think, oh, well, might have been easier 50 years ago, 10 years ago, whatever. It probably wasn't for different reasons. But I think what God is trying to say is don't be discouraged, don't be overly concerned by what is going on around you. Understand that he is with you and you are equipped. You have every equipping that you need to live in this time, in this world, in this season. So here's some key truth. The evil that came into the world with Satan through the fall in the Garden of Eden was at work and is still at work in the world around us. We see that. We see it out working in many parts of the world right now and before our own eyes and our own nation. I'm not going to comment specifically, just beyond a general statement that there are significant spiritual factors involved. There is a spiritual battle going on in the world. But as followers of Jesus, we need to be able to first and foremost draw that line in the sand and know where we stand. That's, and we're equipped to do that. That's what the Lord is saying. And the source of what we know to be right and what we know to be wrong is the word of God, which is why we must study and grow in the word of God. And I have to tell you, it's an ongoing process. You can't just do it once and say, I've got it. Because what happens, you don't always remember it, Holy Spirit's there to help you, but you need to continue, we, I'm talking to myself as well, we all need to continue to grow in the truth of the Word of God as it is constantly applied in our lives on a daily basis, constantly applied to the situations that we find in the world around us, because it is continually changing. So for us... We need to continually be reminding ourselves and allowing the Lord to build us up. And it's an important part of our Christian life. And you might think, yes, I've read the Bible end to end. Well, we need to read it again. We need to go back again. And I'm finding that more and more, the longer I guess I walk with the Lord, the more I need to go back and be reminded and remember and uh, have the Holy Spirit ignite us again in the passion of what is in his word. So this morning, We'll start with this. Jesus said his kingdom is not of this world. And he also said to seek first his kingdom. Now last night as I was um, trying to sleep, (laughs) I felt, felt the Lord bring this to me. And this is a reminder from Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 28. And he says this. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably and with reverence and godly fear." Now, what I felt the Lord was talking about is, again, as we look around our world, everything is being shaken. There is nothing that's not being shaken. The world is being shaken um, physically. Physically, because of the earthquakes, wars, everything else. Um, Authority is being shaken. A whole lot of things are happening and uh, we need to be alert. You know, we are people who know the times and seasons. But God is saying, remember that we are part of a kingdom which cannot be shaken. So no matter what is going on around the world, God's kingdom is not shaken. It is, it is his kingdom. We're going to talk a little bit about it this morning. But I feel like he's saying, keep your eyes on the things of my kingdom. And the more shaking that goes on, the clearer you will see his kingdom because it's becoming so divergent now. And uh, it's actually, in some ways, this is a time of revelation for us as the people of God. The revelation of his kingdom is becoming so apparent and so manifest because of everything else that is being shaken and everything else that is being uprooted. So again, be encouraged. So I felt that um, there were two main areas that the Lord wanted to highlight for us this morning. And in some ways, there may seem to be a simplicity in what I'm going to bring this morning. But at the same time, I want to encourage you that there's a lot for you to dig into in the coming week. And I've not been digging into this for quite a while. There's nothing um, you know, new in what I'm going to bring. It's simply going to, I think, highlight the areas that I feel that the Lord wants to highlight. So can we do that? Okay. All right, two areas are very simple. One, we walk in the light of God. We'll talk about that. Two, we unashamedly worship Jesus as King. That's what we've been doing this morning. That's what we've been singing about in worship. So first of all, we walk in the light of God. Jesus is the light of the world, the light that comes from God. We know that, but don't we celebrate that? Aren't we joyful that his light is in the world? The light was there in the beginning of the creation of the world. Darkness came into the world through the fall in the garden. We know that. Jesus, the light, has come into the world and defeated darkness at his cross. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I'll never stop getting excited about this. (laughs) It's something that we can celebrate every day. Jesus defeated darkness at the cross of Calvary. I'm excited about that. I am. And the darkness fears the light. And this is why darkness resists the light. That's why some of the things are happening around our world, because it's darkness resisting the light, darkness responding in fear to the light, until Jesus is accepted for who he is. And that day will come when every knee will bow. So what's in the light and what does it carry? Everything that is Jesus is in the light. Everything that is Jesus. In the darkness of our world, we carry the light, the light of Jesus. You and I carry that same light, everything that is in Jesus. We are the light of the world. We are children of light, not darkness. We belong to another kingdom, the kingdom of God. So Ephesians 5.8, if we could get that one up. Jack, if you could do that says, for you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. What a truth that is. That's a fundamental kingdom truth. In the darkness around us, we walk as children of light. We carry that light. Now, how many have had this experience? Have you ever been in a street or a shopping mall or other places with people and yet just felt a bit strange, like a stranger, like you don't belong? Have you had that happen? Yeah, I've had that happen. Here's why. You actually, because you belong to another kingdom, you belong to another world. It's important to recognise the difference. Sometimes, you know, the enemy will come in and try and make you feel like you don't belong. There's something wrong with you. There are times when you feel like you don't belong because you actually don't. You belong to another kingdom. Watch out for those times. They're very important. Okay. Jesus gave us three promises. Love these. John 9.5. He said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Second one. John 8.12. Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness but have the light of life. That's you and I this morning. We don't walk in darkness. We have the light of life. And his promise is that in following him, we will not be overcome by darkness. Now, let's have a look at 1 John 1.5.7, Jack, if we could get that up. Jesus said, this is the message which we have... Sorry, John said, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practise the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So I'm going to read that again from the Passion Translation because sometimes that helps us to grasp what John is saying here. He says, this is the life-giving message we heard him share. We heard him share, John heard it, and it's still ringing in our ears ringing in our ears too this morning, we now repeat his words to to you. God is pure light. You'll never find even a trace of darkness in him. If we claim that we share life with him but keep walking in the realms of darkness, and that's not you and I here this morning, we're fooling ourselves and not living the truth. But if we keep living in the pure light that surrounds him, the pure light that surrounds him is the light that we live in We share unbroken fellowship with one another because we are all in the same light. We are all walking together in the same light. And the blood of Jesus, his son, continually cleanses us from all sin. This is a powerful promise. The blood of Jesus covers us so that when the Father looks at us, he sees Jesus. When we're walking with Jesus as we are in the light, his blood is continually cleansing us from sin. That's a powerful promise. Now, we know that we have to deal with sin in our lives because it hurts us. It hurts us. It affects us in our soul. And it can also open the doorway to be harassed by the enemy. So that's true. But at the same time, in God's eyes, he is cleansing us from that sin. We are cleansed by Jesus' blood continually. That, of course, is our position when we fight against anything that the enemy wants to bring against us. We're already cleansed by the Father. Sorry, by the blood of Jesus. So I don't want to go any deeper in that this morning, but just understand the promise from Jesus. We walk in the light and we are being continually cleansed by his blood Wow. In other words, we have the assurance that sin has been dealt with. It's the important thing. Now, we carry the light of the world, and we're here to reveal Christ to the world. That's why we're here. We're new creations and we're heirs to the kingdom, destined to usher in the kingdom that Jesus spoke about, both now and in the age to come. That is our eternal destiny, ushering in the kingdom now and then in the age to come, because it's partial now, the time will come when it's fully. What an eternal destiny we have with Christ. We can be excited about that. I am. That's something that can cause us to to rise up, to rear up when we focus on those things, spend some time thinking about it, praying about it. But that is our eternal destiny. We walk in the light as Jesus has shown us and we enjoy unbroken fellowship with him. Now, on the other hand, Satan, who is the god of this world, before his own downfall was the angel Lucifer. Now, Lucifer means light bearer and he was a bright, shining, beautiful creature in heaven who fell because he wanted the worship that belongs to God. Now what God has done is that we are now the light bearers. Think about this. He was the light bearer. He fell. Now we are the light bearers. God has had an amazing plan. We are the bright and shining ones with an eternal destiny in worshipping God, which was Lucifer's destiny, and revealing God to the world. What an amazing plan God had. Amazing God. Amazing plan that he had. Plan for you and I. So we're the light bearers. Satan is in the world and he is still after the worship that belongs to God alone. He still wants it. And this was the cause of his downfall. He wanted to be like God, but he seeks a place in the hearts of humanity that rightfully belongs to God. The root cause is pride, and this is where he tempts and lures the hearts of men and women. But Jesus disarmed him at the cross, and now he has given us our own weaponry to overcome him, which I won't unpack this morning. It's Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 18. But Satan will tempt us, still tempt us to go down his path and away from God's path. He went as far as tempting Jesus. And he will tempt us away from God's path. Now, I have a personal story here which goes back a long time now when I was leaving the corporate world. And golly, it'll be 30 years at the end of this year when... No, not quite 30, no would be 23, something like that. Anyway, I was leaving the corporate world because I was following Jesus and I remember distinctly the temptation. And I knew I was following Jesus and I was trusting Jesus, but I still remember just in my last months, I didn't know exactly when the time would come, but I was working in the corporate world. I had everything laid before me. I had a career path in front of me, all of those things but I was leaving because it was just no doubt when Jesus calls you, follow him, there's just no question. But I do remember the temptations in those last months and I was working in a building in Melbourne which had a television station in the same building, politicians in the same building, you'd sort of see people in the lifts and and I can remember the lure of Satan. I still remember, this is what you could have. This is what's in front of you, all of those things. And I had to resist that because I said, no, this is God's path. So we need to be aware. We're walking in the light, but we can be lured. And I just want to highlight that this morning, that we are clear about God's path, clear about following him and aware of some of those lures which are in the world today. Okay. All right. Second thing. We unashamedly worship the king. And as we said before, Satan went as far as to tempt Jesus to worship him. Matthew 4, 8, 10. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain. This is when Jesus had been fasting and praying and would have been weakened physically. Showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. He is still saying that to people today. He is still saying that to follow my path and this is what you can have. Follow my path this is what you will have. And it's a little bit related, Kelly, to some of what you were bringing around communion this morning about some of the, the temptations that can be there. And uh, we need to be aware of that as children of the light. So Jesus said, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Him only. So what I see in the word and what I've found in my own life is this. The personal revelation of Jesus and personal worship of him are intrinsically related. They go together. You can't worship someone that you don't have revelation of. You need revelation of him to know who you are worshipping. Really important, that revelation of Jesus and who he is. And that's something that you know I constantly ask Holy Spirit for a greater revelation of Jesus and who he is. And uh, I'd encourage you to do the same. So what does worship mean? The Greek word for worship in the Bible means to prostate oneself. In other words, to lie down, face down, in homage, to bow down before him literally. In our hearts, we bow down before him. And it means also to adore. Now, that word is used very loosely in our culture today. I saw something on television with a sports commentator commenting on a sports person saying all of Australia adores this person. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting, isn't it? Because we are to worship the God and God alone. We are to adore God and God alone. And that's, as I said, a word that's used very loosely in our culture. And it can actually weaken our understanding of what it means to truly worship the Lord. So some examples of personal worship in the law, in the Word. First account in the New Testament is something we spoke about just before Christmas, and that was the wise men from the East coming to worship Jesus. They came to Jerusalem and said, "'Where is he who has been born King of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the East and have come to worship him.' So they did, they came literally to worship him. So traditions that developed around the Magi, the three wise men, In the Western church, were that they came from places such as Ethiopia, Persia and India. That entered the Western church in the third century. So that's speculation, because there's a lot we don't know. There's another school of thought that I came across while I was preparing this message, is that they could have come from somewhere in the Persian empire, which was east, they came from the east, and may have known of the writings of Daniel, who wrote while he was living in captivity in Babylon. There was a very interesting program on SBS um, just before Christmas. I don't know whether anyone saw it, but it was to do with um, two archaeological sites. One is what was Nineveh, and the other is what was Babylon, which are both in northern Iraq. And the archaeologists are uncovering a lot of very interesting information about life and civilization at that time. And uh, that had me quite fascinated. They were trying to line it up with they didn't line it up with the word. They lined it up with uh, the historical traditions that have come through the civilization at that time, and I won't go into it. It's fascinating. Um, they sort of query, they query whether some of the word came through that tradition through Daniel. Well, I don't think we would agree with that. But anyway, point is, Daniel's right. Daniel wrote his writings while he was living in captivity in Babylon. And Daniel 9, 24 to 27 included a prophecy which gave a timeline for the birth of the Messiah. Very accurate timeline, too. So it was so it was also possible that if they came from the east in that region, they may have been aware of the prophecy of Balaam, Numbers 24, 17, because that specifically mentions a star coming out of Jacob. We don't know. But it's interesting to read up and um, to yeah. You know, try and get some sort of a picture of what might have been happening. But this we do know. The wise men were guided by a miraculous event, the star of Bethlehem, which they called his star. They came to Jerusalem and inquired of Herod concerning the birth of Christ, and they were directed to Bethlehem. They were joyful, it says that, they were joyful in following the star until it led to Jesus. That's in Matthew 2.10. They are actually joyful. When they arrived in Bethlehem, we know they gave him costly gifts and worshipped him. Then God warned them in a dream, of course, against returning to Herod and they left Judea by another route. So what do we know? These men sought after Jesus. That's the first thing we know. They were seeking him. They sought after him. They humbled themselves to worship him. They sought after him to humble themselves before him and to worship him as king. Then they obeyed God rather than man, rather than Herod. point I'm making here, they sought after Jesus to worship him as king. So what about you and I? Does this describe us? Are we people who seek after Jesus? Are we people who humble ourselves to worship him and obey him above all else? I think we are, but it's still good to ask ourselves that. You think what they did to try and find Jesus to worship him, we can worship him any time any time of the day, any time in our lives, but we have to seek after him, We have to put that time aside, we have to be looking for him, to worship him as king. Okay. We see Jesus heal the sight of a blind man, and then the Pharisees cast the blind man out. Today we'd say they kicked him out, that's what we would say today. John 9, 36 to 39. Jesus heard that they had cast him out and when he found him, he said to him, do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe and worship him. He had that moment of revelation of who Jesus was. He didn't worship him because he was healed so much as the revelation of who was speaking to him. So he worshipped the healer, not the healing. What about us? When we hear something good happening in someone's life, when we have that touch of God in our own lives, do we stop and worship him? Do we give him worship for who he is, the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Can we do that? We can be joyful when we find him. We can worship him, we can adore him for who he is. King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I feel that's what he's encouraging us in this morning. All right, let's have a look at one more. Jesus was taken up to heaven, as we know. Luke 24, 51 to 53. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. They worshipped him as the son of God. It's an amazing thing to think about, you know, they they saw Jesus taken up into heaven. There's no sense of here of, oh, he's gone. No sense of grief. No sense of, oh, we're not gonna see him again, no. They knew who he was. They worshiped him as the son of God and they praised him. They gave him all the praise. Can we give him all our praise? Can we give him all the praise around our own lives for who he is? for who he is. And John 4.23, Jack, if we could get that one up. But the hour is coming, John said, and now is, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him, that is us. We worship him as the King in spirit and in truth. What does it mean exactly? It says spirit, we worship him in spirit and we worship him in the truth of who he is. That's you and I. We don't have to go to the temple to worship him like Jesus' disciples had to do until the Holy Spirit came, then that was different for them. But point is, we worship him in spirit and truth. We worship him as the king. Can I encourage you? What's your story this morning? What is it that causes you to fall on your knees before Jesus? What is it? Can you remember moments when you felt like that? I felt like that during worship this morning. It's just certain chords in one of those um, uh, worship songs we sang this morning with the lyrics, and I just felt like the same thing. Sometimes I know if I do that, I have trouble getting up again. <laughs> Some of you might feel the same. But the point is, what is it? What are those moments? Where are those moments in your own life where you just want to fall down before him, bow down before him? Can you think of any of those moments? Important that we don't skip over them, that we take the time to respond and allow ourselves to respond. Maybe there was a time in your life when there was a significant encounter and you remember that happening. It could have been the time when you gave your life to Jesus. It could have been a time um, when you encountered him in a difficult situation, whatever it is. But can you think of those times? You know what? We want fresh encounters, but it doesn't invalidate previous encounters. Why? Because God lives outside of time. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today and tomorrow. So if you've had a, an encounter like that, you can go back to that place. Say, Jesus, I worship you in that place. Then what will happen? Your worship will start to flow. Your presence of Jesus will become more manifest and you will be worshipping him right here and now. Very important. Very important. So I think what the Lord is saying, he's talking about worship, he's saying he wants your worship, but he wants your true worship. He wants you to worship him. I'm not saying you don't, I'm just encouraging to worship him as the king that he is of the kingdom to which we belong. Very important. Now, an interesting encounter here with Peter and Cornelius Peter did not accept homage from people. Neither do we. So in Acts 10.24 says this, And the following day they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up and saying, Stand up, I myself am also a man. So we do not worship other people in the place of Jesus. We don't give homage that belongs to Jesus to other people. We worship Jesus and Jesus alone. Peter wouldn't accept it. He wasn't going to accept that, because he was pointing to the true the true God, the true Jesus who we worship. We are his servants. We are his agents on the earth. We have the time, there are times the privilege of Jesus working through us, but it is him, it is not us. So we worship him and we worship him alone. Acts 17, 28 to 29, Paul said this for in him we live and move and have our being. In him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. That's our King. In him we live. In him we move. In him we have our being. It's all about him. It's all about him. We live in him. We're hidden in Christ. Colossians 3.3 says, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So we live in him. In him we have our being. We, we died. We are new creations. Brand new creations. The Father looks at you and sees Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5.19, Jack, if we could get that up. God was in Christ at the crucifixion. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to him and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. He's committed that to you and I, that it's been done, that we are reconciled to God. The whole world is reconciled to God through the cross. The whole world doesn't know it yet and the whole world hasn't accepted that. But the truth is that the whole world is reconciled to God. That's amazing. That is powerful, absolutely powerful. So we are here to unashamedly worship Jesus and we're here to reveal him to the world. That's why we're here. So we are led by Jesus and we walk in his light. We walk in the light. When you accepted Jesus, you became a citizen of heaven. Okay, Jack, if we could bring this one up, please. Philippians 3:20, "For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how we live. Our citizenship is in heaven, we're here on earth waiting for that time when he comes again, waiting for that time when everything is fulfilled. But in the meantime, we are here for a purpose. We're here to reveal him to the world. We carry the light. Your light touches people, whether you realise it or not, because of who you carry. You have everything you need to walk in this life, to share Jesus as the opportunities arise. And don't be afraid, because the light has defeated the darkness. This speaks to the return of Christ, a great hope. It means that we belong to God's kingdom. This is our place, the extraordinary truth of what Jesus won for us on the cross. The kingdom truth is that you carry the hope of the world because of who you are, who lives in you, and who shines through you as you are led by Jesus. Okay. So I'm just going to finish in prayer. Oh Lord we thank you. We thank you so much for everything that you are. And Lord even now just I just sense his presence is very strong right now. Even now Lord in your presence Lord we do choose to worship you. Lord we choose to adore you. And we speak it out. Lord we tell you that we adore you. Lord we're grateful for who you are, for what you have done. But Lord, we choose to walk in that, we choose to live in that. There's no inferiority, I'll hear the Lord saying, there's no inferiority for anybody. There's no need for anyone to feel inferior in any way because when God the Father looks at you, he sees Jesus because that's the light that you have in him that you walk in this world with. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we yield to you this morning. Lord, we, we yield to you to have your way in our lives because we are led by you. And Lord, when you say, go left, we go left. When you say, go right, we go right. When you say, run, we run. When you say, stand, we stand. There are times when the Lord will call us to remain steadfast right where we are. And I feel, I feel that he wants to say this, that there are times in our lives when we're looking for answers and we're just wanting to move, we're wanting to go. I've been through this. And the Lord at times will say, no, wait, because it's not yet the right time. So, Lord, we yield and we surrender to your timing, Lord, Lord, we surrender our will to your will. We surrender our lives to you, Lord, that you would live through us, Jesus, that it's you living through us, Lord. And we thank you for that and we give you all the praise and we give you all the glory. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Anna. I trust that during the service, God was moving in your heart and his presence was where you are. Just before we say goodbye today, I'd love to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. If today's message spoke to you, or you've been considering believing in Jesus as your savior, then I would love to invite you to do that now. Would you repeat this short prayer after me? Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died for my sins and that you rose again to give me life. I ask you to forgive my sins and be my Lord and my Saviour. I open my heart to you today, amen. If you said yes to Jesus today, We would love to hear from you. We would love to celebrate with you, pray with you and help you start your Jesus journey. Visit our website, manninghamcc.org and go to the I Said Yes page. Fill out your details and one of our leaders will get in touch with you. We would love to hear your story. Hey, thanks for joining in today and being part of our service. If you enjoyed today's service, would you click the share button and subscribe to MCC so you can stay connected. We'll all need some good news and we would love to hear how God has spoken to you today. Visit manninghamcc.org and fill out the Good News Story form today. If you would love to know more how to grow in your relationship with God, then Next Steps provides the path for you. Visit manninghamcc.org to find out more. Thanks for watching.